Good evening, saints. Uh, welcome to our Bible study. Uh, we're going to continue uh, fellowshipping tonight on the Gospel of Luke. But first, uh, maybe we could sing hymn number 1175. For the building of God's dwelling, we, his human life, possess. Amen. 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 Oh, Lord. Lord. You arrested the subtle one by your human virtues. Oh, and as a man, you withstood the tempter. Yes. 
through every test. Amen. Amen. Yes. How mysterious, saints, yet how real. Yes, so amen. Now lives in us, into amen. all our heart, he is spreading. He, amen. our human life to be. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. We will amen. pray unceasingly. Amen. 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 <laughs> Jesus, by his human virtues, did the subtle yeah. one rest. He, amen. as man, withstood the tempter, fully passed amen. through every test. Now, in amen. spirit, I can take him all his amen. virtues to this. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. In the spirit of this Jesus. Yes. Is, is his human life so fine? Yes. Human virtues have been added to the spirit all divine. What abundance in this spirit. Rich supply for all mankind. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. How mysterious, yet how real. Such a man now lives in me. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, my heart, he is spreading. Amen. And he, my human life to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I praise him unceasingly. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I will praise him unceasingly. Amen. Amen. We will praise him unceasingly. Amen. Saints, let's enjoy this hymn again. This hymn, we see that the Lord, through becoming a man, he was victorious. God coming into humanity really is a victory. Hallelujah. And he destroyed the devil in his humanity. And then when he rose, he even rose as the son of man. So, um, but then in verse two, this one, through his humanity, through his human virtues, through his, his expressing as a man, through that expression, he arrested the subtle one. He was to the tempter. He passed through the test. But now this one has also been processed to become the spirit. So now, brothers and sisters, we need to receive this one. Because in this spirit, there is a rich supply. Like it says in standard three, what abundance in the spirit. Rich supply for all mankind. When the Lord, everything that the Lord passed through, ah, oh, dear saints, everything that he passed through, is now available to us. There is, there is no need for us to try and live according to some human standard. All we need to do is we need to take the spirit. And in the spirit, there is the rich supply. And then even in, in stanza four and five, we see that this is mysterious, yet it's real. That the Lord now lives in us. And in stanza five, we see that the Lord will do this for his building. Eventually, the Lord will gain what he is after. He said in Matthew 16, he will build his church, right? How is he doing it? He's doing it by dispensing, by us enjoying everything that he has done, everything that he is, and everything that 
that he has now uh, compounded into the spirit. So because there is now such a rich supply, oh, dear saints, we need to learn to take him. Oh, we need to possess his human life for the building of God's dwelling. Amen. So Etienne, uh, you can play it for us again. And as Etienne is playing it and we're singing, I hope that we would all just exercise to open to this one and receive and enjoy all that he is. of his body, his humanity expressed yes. for the building of God's dwelling, we, his human Amen. life possess. Is that not wonderful? Amen. 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 That's Amen. 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 In the spirit, this Jesus, his human life so fine, Human yeah. virtues have been added to the spirit or divine. What abundance mm -hmm. in the spirit rich supply for all mankind. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Amen.
reach yeah. out. Amen. Amen. Peace supply for all mankind. Amen. Such a man Amen. now lives in me, in us. Amen. Amen. All our heart is spreading. He Amen. Our human life to be. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We will praise unceasingly. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus, by his human beings, did the subtle one arrest. He, as man, withstood the timber, fully passed through every test. Now in spirit, we can take him, all Amen. his virtues to possess. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Oh, Amen. wonder, what wonder. Oh, how glorious. God inflicts his manifest. Amen. Members of his body. Amen. 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 Express for the building Amen. of God's dwelling. We Amen. Life process. Amen. 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 So, um, brothers and sisters, we can uh, maybe uh, go on and get into our verses in Luke chapter 11. We'll cover the whole chapter 11 tonight. So uh, we'll read from verse 1 to 54. It's quite a lot. Maybe, Etienne, you can break us up for, let's make it nine minutes. Um, and then uh, in our groups, we can read through these verses. And then we can come back. So you can break us up and then we can uh, read uh, the whole chapter 11 of Luke. Okay, welcome back, everyone. As we were reading now, I was just touched by this word. In um, verse 28, where he spoke to the woman after she's, she made this comment to him. Uh, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. And he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. I was just reminded of what we saw last week in chapter 10 of Luke, where the Lord began to speak to this lawyer who asked him this question, but Lord, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord says, well, I'll keep the commandments. And he, oh, well, what does the law say? And then, and then he tells him, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And then I think he asked the Lord, Lord, but who is my neighbor? Almost in a way, Lord, tell me who my neighbor is, then I'll go and I'll love him. I'll go and I'll... I will love my neighbor that I can inherit eternal life. And then, then the Lord begins to, to tell him a parable about the Samaritan to show him that actually, lawyer, you are not the one who needs to go out and love your neighbor. Actually, you are the one in need of a neighbor. <laughs> you are the one who's in need of a neighbor to love you of someone to come and love you. Actually, what has happened to you is you're under the law and the law has beaten you up and left you for dead by the side of the road. And neither the, 
the uh, was it the priest nor the Levite was able to help. But then the Samaritan comes, and the Samaritan he is just uh, he is just actually the Lord Jesus Himself, and He's the one who comes, and He picks us up. He puts uh, He pours oil and wine into our wounds. He heals us. And then he picks us up and puts us on his donkey. And he takes us to the inn, the church. And he gives the church whatever the church needs to care for us. So we see how we are saved and, and, and brought to the Lord by his love. And then the next section shows us how to serve the Lord, which is quite interesting because actually that section also seems to be a matter of loving the Lord. Because yes, Martha, she's serving. She's busy. She even tells the Lord, Lord, don't you see what my sister is doing? She's so busy. She And she wants the Lord to get busy. But the Lord is just sitting there. And he's and Martha, ah, Mary is sitting at his feet. And actually, if we, as we considered this together, I was just touched how, what was within the Lord's heart? At the end of chapter nine, it says that he had set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. There was something very pressing within the Lord's being. And what he really longed for and desired is that his disciples, his followers, those who love him, would just take some time, leave what they're doing, leave their purpose, leave their, uh, their things that are occupying them, and come and sit and listen to what he is speaking to them. He spoke to the disciples just before that. Twice he mentioned to them that he has to be crucified. But they were just concerned about who's going to be first, who's going to be the last, am I going to sit here, can I sit there, when is the kingdom coming, when are we going to rule with you, Lord? All these kinds of things. They were busy considering their ambitious pursuit and then there's Martha. She's also busy. Surely the Lord has been on a long journey. He maybe needs some, some care. He needs some food. He needs something. He needs... Actually, the Lord, what the Lord really wanted is for someone to sit and pay attention attentively to what he is speaking. Mary, we saw, was the one who anointed the Lord before his burial. How did she know how to do that? How did she know how to that she needed to pour out this oil upon the Lord? Don't you also think and believe that what the Lord was speaking to her about there was what was really within his being, that he had come to do the Father's will and that he was on his way to accomplish redemption for us. He was on his way to destroy the devil through the cross. And he longed, he longed for someone to just, for that word to penetrate their being and that there would be a response within them. That's why I like this word in chapter 11, verse 28. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Because he spoke to them. He spoke to them about the fact that he was going to be crucified. But when Mary poured that oil on the Lord, then what was the disciples' response? They were indignant. They said, why this waste? Lord, surely we could have sold this. Why do we, 
why why does this woman why does mary want to pour out this this very costly oil on you while there's poor people there's some that we can go and we can take this oil we can do something with it but the lord he longed that someone would just enter into what he was speaking to hear his word and so he really approved of what Mary did. He even said, don't trouble her. Wherever this gospel is told, what she has done for me will be told. Her story, this, this what she had done, will be told all over the world because she had prepared me for my burial. Oh, brothers and sisters, the Lord's word needs to be able to penetrate our being. The Lord's word needs to be able to touch us. And so, so even tonight, um, we're going to speak about the matter of prayer. And uh, I'm sure many of us know about prayer. Even uh, I was fellowshipping with Hector earlier today, or maybe yesterday, yeah, today. And he was just telling me, actually, many, many Christians speak about the matter of prayer, but many of us struggle with it. And not many of us practice it in a, in a way that is according to the word, that is according to the Lord's desire. So, brothers and sisters, may the Lord really, may his word really penetrate us tonight and may his word open up to us that we can receive something and then they can be uh, like in Ezekiel where the Lord tells him, Ezekiel, eat the scroll. You need to take the scroll into you and you need to eat it. You need to, you need to, uh, take the word and you need to get it into you and then when it's in you then you can go and speak then you can go but first come first come and receive then you can go and you can speak okay so so here's the lord in chapter 11 actually uh before we get into this chapter i want to just uh, uh give us a little bit of a review or maybe an overview of what the Gospel of Luke is about. The Gospel of Luke is mainly about three things. That is that God wants to be mingled with man. It is the mingling of divinity with humanity. It is the divine life mingled with the human life that produces the second thing, it produces the highest standard of morality. It produces a living. It produces a living that is, that is not seen anywhere in the world. In fact, I once, I once read a book where a brother was testifying that he preached the gospel to, I believe it was a Jew. And this person said, it is impossible that the gospels are real because no man can live like that. He's right. No man can live like that. That standard of morality is the highest standard of morality. No man can live that way. But the reason why the Lord Jesus lived that way is because it was a mingled life of divinity with humanity. He lived the mingling of divinity with humanity. And that was for the third thing, which is the Jubilee. And the Jubilee, brothers and sisters, is just God's New Testament economy. 
God's New Testament economy today is the Jubilee. So today, we are in the reality of the Jubilee. Oh, Lord Jesus, make this real to each one of us. Brothers and sisters, may this really be our reality, that we, that we really have the sense that we are living in the Jubilee right now. We're not waiting for something to come. We're not waiting for uh, something to come. But actually, we're living in this reality of being freed from all our bondage, freed from Satan, freed from his usurping of us. And at the same time, just as we're being freed from slavery, we're being restored to our rightful inheritance to enjoy the good land. Okay, so what is this mingled living? Well, this mingled living is the divine life with the divine attributes mingled with the human life, with the human virtues. So this mingled life of divinity with humanity does not produce a third entity. It's not like divinity was mingled with humanity and it became some kind of different, strange, you couldn't say is the Lord a man or is he a, uh, maybe some kind of angelic or some kind of strange being? No. The Lord, even though he was the complete God, he was still a perfect man. He did not put aside humanity. He also didn't put aside divinity. When divinity was mingled with humanity, that became a mingled living. It can be illustrated by, by uh, tea. When you make a cup of tea, you have hot water and you have a tea bag. These two are two separate things. They, in a sense, have nothing to do with one another. They're not of the same, you know, there's the tea bag, there's the, the, the water. But once you put the tea into the water, then the tea begins to get inside of the water, right? Begins to infuse that water with the tea. So now that tea bag and the water, what was within the tea bag is getting into the water. It's being mingled. It's being infused. It's saturating the water. And then eventually, you can't separate the two. The two are not separate, but yet you still have water. You still have the tea that you're drinking. Is not, it's not like the water changed into a, another substance. Like, okay, now it's like a, a piece of cake or something. It's still water. It's still very distinctly water. And it's still a distinctly tea. It's not like the tea changed and it became, uh, I don't know, coffee or something. Just because you put the tea bag into the tea, into the water, didn't change the tea into, into something else. The nature of both were retained. And this is what the Lord lived. When he lived on the earth, the nature, that divine nature, brought with it divine attributes. And that human nature that he lived, Brought with it the human virtues. And these two were not changed into something strange, but they were mingled together to produce a mingled living of divinity with humanity. And so this is what produced the highest standard of morality. The highest standard of morality, brothers and sisters, when we use this phrase, 
we are not saying that we are now attaining to some kind of okay i became a christian so now my standard of morality needs to be changed and i need to live a different kind of i need to live by different uh uh, uh, uh standards now and oh i i used to put myself under the under the law or under these kind of standards now i need to put myself under different standards which is now the christian life no 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 we simply need to enjoy this mingled life okay we'll we, I'm not going to speak too much about that. But the highest standard of morality is produced by the mingling of the divine nature with the human nature that brings with it the divine attributes and the human virtues. So the divine attributes and the human virtues mingled together produces this highest standard of morality. The Lord lived out when the Lord expressed this this living, the standard of living, it was the expression of this mingled living. Okay, and this was for the, the Jubilee. This is what the Lord came to announce. When he began his ministry in Luke, he read from the scroll. Now, this scroll has been fulfilled in your midst. He said at the end of that reading, he said, this has today been fulfilled in your midst. So when the Lord expresses this, that's why we, I enjoyed that hymn that we sang. When, when divinity comes into humanity, what a victory. What a triumph. What a, when that expression begins to live, be lived out, that is the jubilee. The Lord Jesus living on the earth was the jubilee. So what we receive today when we believed into the Lord Jesus, was the Jubilee because we received this mingled living that expressed, that lived out this highest standard of morality. And this brought us into God's New Testament economy. The way that God is dealing with us in the New Testament, the way that God is working out and carrying out his economy in the New Testament is, is by this mingling of divinity with humanity it's by all the processes that god has gone through he came into humanity he lived the human life then this mingled god man entity being jesus this triune god man he passed through death he went into death and death couldn't hold him he resurrected he passed through the heavens and ascended. And today is seated at the right hand of God. Still as a man. <clears throat> a man fully mingled and blend with God. And today when we receive him into our hearts. When we believe into the Lord Jesus. We are receiving this mingled living. That is actually bringing us into the Jubilee. The reality of the Jubilee that the Jews experienced. So many years before. Today we have such a reality as we enjoy our Lord Jesus. So, brothers and sisters, when we look at the Gospel of Luke, we can look at it in a superficial way, where we see many stories and things. But when we get into the depths of it, and we see the intrinsic essence and the intrinsic elements that are contained and conveyed by Luke in this Gospel, then we're able to understand and able to see and appreciate how he's putting things together. For instance, in chapter 11, he's putting these four things together. He's putting together 
the 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 teaching concerning prayer then there's the rejection of the evil generation then there's the warning not to remain in darkness and then the rebuking of the pharisees and lawyers and because we have the the proper view of what luke is trying to convey to us we'll see how these four really uh are related to one another okay so i'm going to share on the matter of the prayer and brothers and sisters Oh, may we have this experience that our prayer life is really bringing us into God. This should be the goal of our prayer life. This should be the goal of our, of our, of our praying is to not just have some kind of religious activity, but to have the sense that we want to have contact with God himself. Our prayer should really bring us into God. Francis, isn't that something? Yes, we have received God into us, but we also want to be brought into God. Okay, so I know the, this, this, this utterance, uh, this prayer is to bring us into God is not is not mentioned in these verses, but when you check with your experience, when you have a prayer according to what the Lord instructed, and you have a prayer that is according to what the Lord desires for man, then your experience is that your prayer has brought you into God. Isn't that your experience? I do believe we have experienced this many times. Maybe we've also experienced many times. That our prayer does not bring us into God. Actually, that kind of prayer, we need to stop that kind of prayer. And maybe sometimes we need to change the way that we pray so that our prayer can actually bring us into God. Okay, so in verse 1, it says that while he was in a certain place praying, when he sees that a certain one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, even as John also taught his disciples. Okay, so now the Lord, he responds and he says, when you pray, say, Father, your name be sanctified. Your kingdom come. Lord, give us today. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also for, forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us into temptation. So, brothers and sisters, this prayer is not uh, just something religious but this the goal of this prayer and our experience when we pray according to the almost the the heart that the lord is expressing here we find ourselves in god many times i find myself praying merely for i don't know a list of things or my problems or things and it's not, it's not bad that we would sometimes mention things to the Lord because sometimes things are weighing upon us and there's not an opening within our being, right? And sometimes we just need to open these things to the Lord. But then, brothers and sisters, when we open these things to the Lord, we need to wait. We need to allow the Lord because once we begin to turn our attention from ourselves to the Lord, then what we will experience when we, when we find ourselves in God, when we've prayed ourselves out of ourselves and into God, then 
what we find when we get there and what we do when we are there is we should simply receive. We should be those who receive from the Father. We should be those who, who, are, who are supply, who are able to enjoy all this mingled living that God has lived, all this, this mingling of divinity with humanity, this, this standard of morality, this, this living out that we all so desperately need in our human life, in our human situations, with our families, with, with our colleagues, with all those around us. That begins to become infused into us as we just sit and we are, we are willing to absorb the Lord. We're willing to receive from God. We're willing to receive the riches. Even, even in verse 3, the Lord says, we should pray, Lord, give us today our daily bread. Lord, give me today. Lord, what is it that you want to give me today? Actually, I appreciated. Uh, I, I, I phoned a brother earlier today. It, it was his birthday. And then I said to him, brother, may you receive much dispensing today. I really hope that the Lord, this whole year, would be a year for you under the dispensing of God. God wants to give us all, brothers and sisters, our portion today, our rightful inheritance, is not things, it's not temporal things, it's not things that are momentary, it's not things that, that rust destroys and thieves steal and, and, and can be taken away from us. But our portion today is God. It is the very triune God that has been mingled with humanity. So when we find ourselves in God, we should, we should simply be those who are able to receive from him. We're able to, to receive our daily bread. Even in verses 11 and 13, verses 11 to 13, the Lord, the Lord says, But what father among you whose son shall ask for a fish will instead of a fish hand him a snake? Or if he shall also ask for an egg, will hand him a scorpion? So then if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father who is, in, who is from heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So here we see that even though we are evil, we're able to give good gifts. And so the Lord is saying, but what's the, what's the greatest gift? What's the, what's the kind of like the ultimate gift? What is it that, that, that every man actually needs? It is the Holy Spirit. Like that hymn that we sang. There's a rich supply for all mankind. Uh, there's a hymn, Brother Watchman Nee wrote it. It's him 491, where he speaks about how the disciples knew the Lord. And he says, I know, this is in 491, stanza 4, I know thy life surpassing far the knowledge thy disciples had. Although they walked and lived with thee, when thou on earth in flesh wast clad. But then he says in verse 5, 
Because thy spirit dwells within, how real, O Lord, thou art to me. Not touched, yet more reliable. Not seen, yet loved more fervently. Brothers and sisters, today, we don't have to go to some kind of a mountain. We don't have to go to a special place. There's nothing that we have to do in order to receive God today. And not just like the disciples had the Lord Jesus walk with them. And they could touch him. They could surely they loved him. But that was all while he was clad in the flesh, right? It was all a bit outward. But today, because the Lord is the Spirit, no matter where we are, no matter uh, what we're busy with, where if you're at your workplace, whether we're at the southern tip of Africa, whether we're wherever we are, we can enjoy all that God is. Then in verse 5, it says, Because thy spirit dwells within, how real, O Lord, thou art to me. Not touched, yet more reliable. Not seen, yet loved more fervently. This, this touch, even though it's not physical, it's more reliable than a physical touch because the Lord is now within us. So, brothers and sisters, there is a great need for us to pray ourselves into God, to learn to pray this kind of a prayer. Because you might say, well, of course, the Lord did come into me when I received him as my Savior. Uh, so why do I now need to pray myself into God when I'm already in God? Well, God is already in us. That's true. But for us to be in God, we're not always found in God. Like Paul says in Philippians 3, I have this desire, this longing to be found in the Lord. But often, where do people find us? Maybe I'll just use the example that, that uh, Brother Lee uses this example. He says, Brother, maybe before he goes to bed, he fights with his wife. And then his, his uh, temper is released. And then he goes to bed. And surely when he wakes up, he's not found in God. And then he might pray to the Lord, Lord, you are a just God. Vindicate me. My wife was wrong. Lord, vindicate me from my wife. And thank you that uh, this will not happen again. Well, actually, when we pray such a kind of prayer, we'll actually find ourselves further away from God than when we were in the beginning, right? That kind of prayer does not bring us into God. So by this example, we see that many times we find ourselves not in God. Maybe we should pray like the Lord, like the Lord told, told the disciples to pray. Father, your name be sanctified. Father, your kingdom come. What about your kingdom coming today? Oh, Lord. Lord, give me today my bread and forgive me. Lord, forgive me for the way I, I, I reacted to my wife. Just as I also forgive my wife. Lord, and, and don't let us come into this temptation again. But Lord, your kingdom come today. Come into my home, into my living today. You see, this kind of prayer brings us into God. And then what we find in God is we find the dispensing of the Holy Spirit. We find the supply. Okay, and then furthermore, the Lord gives us example of uh, someone being persistent, right? A friend comes to him at midnight. 
He doesn't want to wake up. I'm already in bed. Listen, forget about it. I'm not going to help you. I'm even with my children. Everybody's in bed with me. Uh, I cannot rise up and give you anything, verse 7 says. But I say to you, even though he will not rise up and give me anything, because he is his friend, surely because of his shameless persistence, he will rise and give him what he needs. So then the Lord says, ask, ask, seek, and knock. So we need to ask in a general way. Ask the Lord. In a more specific way, seek the Lord. Knock, then you're very close, right? That means there's contact there. Knock and it shall be open to you. And what do, we, what do we ask and seek and find when we knock? Well, a supply. We find ourselves being supplied with God. So brothers and sisters, this is the way that the Lord wants us to pray. He wants us to, to not just come to him in an outward way. If we come to him in a religious, outward, kind of a formal way, Lord, now I've prayed, I've done what I should have done. I always pray before I eat a meal. I always pray for, for, for all these things. But actually, we need to have the experience of being brought into God. I appreciated the sister recently shared that often she wakes up with an expectation in the morning because it is a time that she can have with God. It is a time where she can meet with God. This should be our experience. This should be our expectation. Father. Your name be sanctified. Father, your kingdom come. Father, oh God, you are my father. I know you as my father. Father, I want God, I want to know you as my father. That kind of intimacy is not a religious thought or religious concept, but it is a contact, a direction toward God. And then when we when we are when we are here, when we are here in this contact with God, then we receive. Then we then we are simply there receiving. Like Hebrews tells us, we can come forward with boldness to the throne of grace to, to find mercy and receive grace for timely help. We receive something at the throne, brothers and sisters. We should have this, this expectation every morning, every day. Lord, I'm coming. And I'm not just coming to some kind of activity, but I'm coming to you as a person. I want to have contact with you and I want to receive the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you. I can ask you for this. Thank you. I can ask you for, for your riches to be dispensed into me. And then this, this, this living, this expression of this highest morality in human virtues, this highest morality that the Lord expressed will become our reality. And then our living will be a living of the Jubilee. It will be a living where we are free from all the anxiety and depression and the, and the slavery and the bondage and the enjoyment of the riches of our inheritance of God. Amen. Okay. So, uh, 
I'm going to stop there. Can you hear me? Okay, great. Um, praise the Lord. We're continuing uh, with, uh, we're going to continue on chapter 11. But just to, in order for us to, uh, I just appreciated what Brother Adrian was sharing on. Um, that the section in verses 1 through 13 is actually the, the key to opening the rest of chapter 11. If this section is not clear to us, it's quite difficult to understand or to see what the rest of chapter 11 is about. So the matter of the, the disciples asking the Lord, I feel that this is so encouraging. This is so encouraging. Hmm. In these chapters, the brothers, the disciples had made a, a huge advance. They went from arguing, from comparing one another, to pray. Have you ever had this realization? They have, they have made a great advance. And they're asking the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. I thought this was such a sweet, uh, honest opening. They had seen the Lord pray. They had observed maybe, you know, just like all of us probably in this call, we, we know we know how to pray. We've, we've been in many meetings where there's prayer, but I think that first line where the disciples just genuinely open to the Lord, Lord teaches to pray. I don't know how to pray. Maybe I've been a Christian for so long, but Lord, I'd like to touch prayer in the way you see it. Prayer in a way that brings me into oneness with you. Prayer into a way, into a, an advancing of your economy. Your desire is to be one with man. Your desire is to mingle yourself with man. And in this way, release men from every bondage. Lord, teach me to pray in this way. I would like to pray in the way that mingles me with God. Um, so so this, this, this first section of chapter 11 is very critical. Unless we have the, the X-ray of what prayer, what the Lord is talking about when he says we should pray in this way, um, it's going to be difficult to understand the rest of chapter 11. So when the Lord says, when you pray, say this, Unfortunately, I thought we had to repeat this verbatim. Um, so um, effectively missing out on the essence. The essence here is that we want to be those who are brought out of ourselves. We are brought into God. That is, we're caring for his name, his person, who he is, Father, your name. Did you realize it doesn't say God, your name? It's not someone who has no inward relationship with us. It's not somebody who's, it's our father, the one whose life we have. Father, your name. How about this? What a release, brothers and sisters. I'm not caring for my name, not for my situation, but I'm caring for the father's name. This is the jubilee. <laughs> When we're in this kind of a mingling with God, in this kind of a prayer, it is a release from self, release from all kinds of outward things to care for the Father's name. 
and not only his name, but that his kingdom would come. And when his kingdom comes, when we praying this way, we are one with him. Oh, this is the supply. I really appreciated that. You know, we, we get the, the divine egg. Remember here, the, the Lord used an example that which father, when his son asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion or a, a snake. Wow, as we are well, as we're enjoying the Lord this way, we're praying, we're going to get a divine egg. We're going to get the divine um, uh, fish. You know, that's something that reaches of the ocean, of the sea. And uh, the egg is the result of something that lives both in the air and the earth. It's the essence of the earth's produce together with the bird life. So my point is, uh, the father will supply us with the, uh, a rich supply of, of the riches. That's signified by the egg and the fish. And then the Lord he tells us what the real divine egg and what the real divine fish is. He says, if you know how to give good gifts, how much more will the Father give you the spirit if you ask? Brothers and sisters, the real divine egg, the real divine fish is the spirit. The real divine supply is the spirit. Wow, I really appreciated this. This is, this is how, this is what it means to pray. We are released from self-effort, but rather we are supplied with the spirit to live out these virtues. You know, um, I really appreciate what Brother Adrian emphasized that when we talk about the highest standard of morality, we are not saying uh, adopt a new code of conduct. That's not what we're saying. The highest standard of, of, of morality here, we mean it's the mingling of God with man. We may have a living which would have some level of morality. If there's no mingling of God with man, I'm sorry, it's low. The highest standard of living, the highest standard of morality is where we are mingled with God which means actually the essence of our Christian life, brothers and sisters, is to take care of the mingling. This, this is the part. We need to take care of this mingling. We're being one with the Lord. Okay. If, if I hope we're clear on that part. Um, maybe I should mention this. Recently, I was really impressed with the matter of our need to abide in the Lord. The word abide means to remain. This is, this is what the Lord has, um, has told us, that we need to abide in him. That is to remain in him. Um, everything in the Christian life is in the abiding. Uh, maybe let me say it another way. Everything we have as Christians is in the abiding. Outside of the abiding, the Lord says, apart from me, that is away from me, apart from the abiding, we can do nothing. So this is why we need to, the, 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 the primary matter in the Christian's life is to take care of the abiding, the mingling, being one who's, who's found in God. Not, 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 not 
not in their own morality, not in their situation, but caring for this uh, mingling. And then this is, in this context, we come to the rest of chapter 11 of Luke. In the remainder of chapter 11 of Luke, there are basically three things. And these things are a frustration to this abiding. They are a frustration to our being mingled with God. So from verses 14 to 32, um, because of time, maybe I will just highlight some verses. Um, but in verse 14, it says, and once he was casting out a demon and it was dumb. And when the demon had gone out, the dumb men spoke and the crowds marveled. So the Lord cast out a demon uh, and eventually the, the person who was possessed by the demon began to speak. This caused a response among some of the people. And they said, by Beelzebul, the, the ruler of demons, he casts out the demons. They actually blasphemed the Lord, saying what the Lord had done was through uh, Beelzebul. And this gave the Lord the opportunity to, to give us a window into the, re the real situation in the universe. He said, but he, knowing in their hearts, he, kn he, knew, he knew what their thoughts were. He said, every kingdom divided against itself becomes desolate. And a house divided against a house, this means a house divided against itself, falls. And then the Lord in verse 18 says, if Satan also is divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Did you pay attention to this? What do we pray for? What do we pray for? We pray for the Father's name to be sanctified and for his kingdom. But notice, immediately after this kind of a prayer, look at what happens. There's another kingdom. <laughs> do you see this? This is to show us that as we seek to abide, to be one with the Lord, to be mingled with him, we need to be aware of what's happening. There is another kingdom. There is a kingdom of Satan. And this kingdom has one goal. It is to frustrate us from being one with the Lord. It is to frustrate our oneness with the Lord. It is to distract us from this abiding, to cause us to care for other things. So, okay, that, that's verse 18. And the Lord says, for I say to you that if, uh, that it is but, uh, uh, okay, so how shall his kingdom stand? For you say that it is by Beelzebul that I cast out demons. But if I by Beelzebul cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. The Lord turned the question to them. Said, okay, you say I cast demons out by Beelzebul. Your sons also cast them out. So your sons are also um, doing the same thing. Are they also casting them out by demons? You, you be the judge. You decide. And then the Lord says, if I, by the finger of God, cast out the demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
here the Lord showed us that actually for him to cast out a demon is a small matter. You know, in Isaiah, the Lord is called the arm of Jehovah. In saving us, there's need of an arm. That's how, how much, how much uh, in a sense, energy is needed to save us. There was the need of an arm. But brothers and sisters, to cast out a demon, the Lord needs a finger. If I, by the finger of God, cast out a demon, then the kingdom of God has come upon me. The point here is this. If we are those who are one with the Lord, the one who is a strong, later on the Lord talks about the strong man who is bound by a stronger man. Uh, actually, this strong man is Satan, but the stronger man is the Lord Jesus. He's able to cast out the demons by his finger. Now, if we are one with the Lord, we could be those who cast out demons. And what do I mean by this? I mean by, what I mean by this is demons are the, uh, are the subordinates of Satan, which co coordinate with him to distract man from God. You know, if we are one with the Lord, we could be those who release others from such a distraction, from such a, uh, um, from such a bondage. We could be part of the Jubilee. We could be ones who are cooperating with the Lord to spread the Jubilee. So, so this, is, this is the point here when we read the Gospel of Luke is that out of our abiding and being one with the Lord through our prayer, we could be those who are one with him to spread. You know, uh, I, I always consider, you know, how will the Lord spread on the earth today? He's going to need those who are one with him. And when we are one with him in this way, we could be those who are bringing in the kingdom. You know, the kingdom could come to a city, could come to a small town, whatever town it is. But the point is, out of our prayer and being one with the Lord, out of the supply, we could therefore be one with him to spread um, the kingdom and also release people from all kinds of bondages, all kinds of um, slavery. That's one of the words Brother Adrian used, slavery, uh, being bound for, for the enemy's use, to be released to God's use, for God's purpose. So th this, is, this is the essence here. Um, so the point is, out of our prayer, we, have, we become very clear of the situation in the universe, that there is something that is all the time seeking to distract us from the Lord. I have to say that some things are outward, some things are obvious. However, some things are even very difficult to find, to realize. You know, even the way we pray could be a distraction from our being mingled with the Lord. I really enjoy the example of, uh, you know, uh, a brother and his wife, you know, vindicating. I don't think that kind of a prayer brings, would bring me into the mingling. That kind of prayer would bring me into self-righteousness. 
Lord, vindicate me from my, my brother who, who wronged me. That, that is not bringing me into the mingling with God, but all the time distracts me uh, from the Lord. So, so the point is, we, are, we need to be all the time aware of the spiritual warfare. There's all these things that are all the time seeking to distract us. Um, you know, uh, I don't know what your experience is, but almost without fail, every Tuesday uh, in the locality I'm in, uh, the prayer meeting is on a Tuesday. Every Tuesday around the afternoon, something comes up. Something comes up without a fail. There's all kinds of uh, distractions. Uh, my point is we have to be those who are aware. Lord, I refuse to be distracted from this mingling with you, from, from cooperating with your move on the earth. Okay, so this is, this is the essence. Uh, because of time, we won't be able to get to, through all the details uh, uh, of, of, of this account. But here, the highlight is we need to be realized that on the one hand, while we are praying to be one with the Lord, we need to be very aware uh, not in a not in a, a um, not in a uh, super superstitious way, but we're very aware of our being. My being is for mingling with the Lord. All the other things are a distraction, and such a such an awareness will keep us, will cause us to be able to, to take care of this abiding, of this mingling with the Lord. <clears throat> okay, um, and then. Maybe uh, let's, let's go on uh, in this section here. The Lord highlights himself as Jonah. He says, he speaks about this generation, this generation that rejected him. Uh, he, 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 he highlights himself. He, he reveals himself as Jonah and also as Solomon. He highlights here that for the sake of this mingling, for the sake of this abiding, that he would be enterable, he would go through death and resurrection. Just like Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for, for, for three nights and then was released and brought in the Jubilee. Of course, Jonah's gospel, um, if, you, if you read Jonah's gospel, it wasn't very inspiring. He says, uh, yet three days and the whole city will be wiped out. But the Ninevites, they repented. <laughs> the Ninevite men repented, even such a uh, gospel. But the point is here is that the Lord was saying, was highlighting, was revealing his death and resurrection. And in his resurrection, he would be the Solomon. He would be the one who is God's wisdom. What for? For the building of God's house. So this is, this is what the Lord is showing us here that he, he, he desired to go to death and resurrection so he would build God's house. Um, actually, in order to see God's, uh, the Lord's wisdom as Solomon, we have to read all of Paul's epistles. If you read Paul's epistles, that's where you get a window into what it means for Christ to be Solomon. He is so rich and these riches he desires to impart into us for the building up of the church. 
so this this is this is the essence of of this section is that they are while we are praying seeking to be one with the lord there are these kinds of uh, negative things um you know i realize sometimes even even an advertisement on a on a on a newspaper is a distraction for us <laughs> so the way we we combat the way we we fight the spiritual warfare is by praying and be and allowing the Lord to saturate us with His riches, is to remain in God to absorb all the riches. This is how we fight the spiritual warfare. And then the other thing that frustrates um, our uh, our abiding or our oneness with the Lord is found in section in verses thirty three to thirty six. Here the Lord says, in particular, verse 34, he says, the lamp of the body, uh, I'm sorry, 33, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in the cellar or under a bushel, but on the lampstand in order that those who enter in may see the light. So here the Lord shows us that another matter which causes us to be distracted from this uh, mingling from this union with, with the Lord, with our Father, is related to, uh, it's, it, the, the words used here is a bushel. A bushel is a measure of grain. This means it's related to our daily needs or our daily um, cares, our food. So this usually causes anxieties. And these kinds of anxieties, they become a separation, a frustration from us, uh, causing us to be separated. You know, whenever we consider what will our situation be in the future, in the next five months, that is that causes us to be to be frustrated. Our mingling with the Lord is frustrated. It's hard for us to be one with the Lord. So I really like Paul's, Paul's uh, exhortation to us in, in, in Ephesians, I'm sorry, in Philippians 4. It says, uh, in, in nothing be anxious, in nothing be anxious, but by means of all prayer, all prayer, all kinds of prayer, which brings you into God, make your requests made known to God. So, so this, is, this is how we combat all these kinds of distractions. Um, I remember one brother, he would be frustrated about, Lord, I'm enjoying you today, but will I enjoy you tomorrow? What, what, will, I, what will my spiritual life be? I was like, wow, even his spiritual condition was a distraction from him enjoying the Lord. It frustrated his present enjoyment. I, I, so when it comes to anxieties, all kinds of concerns, you know what our response, a proper response is? Is to open to the Lord, allow him to saturate us with the, with the spirit as the divine egg, as the divine fish, and the divine loaf of bread. So, so this, is, this is the proper spiritual warfare. Actually, um, earlier on, the Lord said that 
he spoke about the man who's out of whom a demon is cast out. And when the demon doesn't find rest, it goes back to the place where it was cast from. And actually it says, I'm going to read this verse again, because I thought this was quite interesting that Luke highlights it. Uh, in verse, um, oh Lord. Uh, in verse 24 and 25, it says, the demon says, I will return to my house from which I came out. And it comes and find it swept and decorated. Notice here, the point is that this person was still vacant, was still empty, still had room for other things to come in. Do you know how we combat, uh, if, you, if, you, if you understand me properly, how do we combat the distractions from the demons? It's by being filled. When the house is filled, there's no room for anything else. Actually, this is exactly how the Lord, this is why the Lord could say in, in John, when he was about to be crucified, he said, the ruler of, this, of the world is coming and in me, he has nothing. There's no room. I'm saturated with the divine attributes. There's no more room for anything else. So actually, that's why I said the first section of chapter 11, it is critical. If we would ask the Lord, Lord, teach me to pray. This kind of a prayer drives Satan out, drives the demons out, and leaves room for nothing else but the kingdom of God. Oh, Lord, I hope we would, even brothers and sisters, I don't care how long we've been a Christian or we've been in a church life. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. And not only to pray, but this would be our life, our living. Our living would be one of prayer. That we are all the time in God. There's no room for anything else. Um, oh, Lord Jesus. So even the, the anxieties of our day-to-day -day, uh, needs, um, you know, even the riches upon the earth, actually in Matthew, the matter of the bushel comes right before, maybe uh, this, this verse, right before this verse, the Lord mentions about us not having treasures on the earth. So the matter of the bushel is related to having treasures on the earth. So, so when, we, when our heart, uh, our eye, looks at two things, on the one hand, we're looking for God's kingdom to come, but also... Uh, we have an eye on the riches of the earth, the, the, the treasures of the earth. This kind of view causes our whole being to be dark. So the Lord asks us to be careful in verse 35. Watch out that the light which is in you is not darkness. So take care that you are focusing on God's kingdom, focusing on being mingled with him. You know, uh, I don't know how much you, how you measure your day, whether your day was a successful day as a Christian or not. I don't know how we measure it, but from the Lord's, from, from the Lord's uh, speaking here, the way we, we, we should have the measure 
is the mingling. What is the mingling? How much mingling? Lord, today, maybe I haven't done anything negative. I haven't offended anybody. I haven't been offended by anybody. But how much mingling was there? This, this is the, this is the, the, the standard of living we should have. Okay. Oh, Lord Jesus. Um, and then the final thing uh, in chapter 11, which causes us to be frustrated from having a mingled living is uh, recorded in, in verses 35 to 40 to 50, 54. Uh, and here, uh, the umbrella is related to religion or practices. Here, the Lord is invited by a Pharisee to have a, uh, a morning meal or some kind of a, a, a meal in the morning, early meal. And when the Lord comes to have the meal with the uh, Pharisee, oh, I don't know, I don't even know why the Pharisees invited the Lord uh, in order to, but I don't understand. And also the Lord went along, uh, but, but this is a big help to us. Uh, when the Lord began, when he came to, to, the, to, the, to, the, uh, to the table, the Pharisee observed that the Lord did not wash before the meal. Again, a, uh, a practice, some, some, some uh, practice, not the Lord himself. Notice the, the, the Pharisee cares for the practice more than the Lord. I, is, this, is this our situation, brothers and sisters? You know, it's so easy for us to be distracted to care for, um, you know, so many things rather than the Lord himself. So here the Pharisee was caring for a practice, a tradition, the ceremonial washing, and didn't care for what mattered. So the Lord took this opportunity to, to help us what we should focus on. Uh, in verse 39, it says, but the Lord said to him, again, you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the platter. But your inside is full of extortion and wickedness. You know, this verse shows us, brothers and sisters, that we are vessels. Did you notice the Lord, he went from a cup and he says, your inside. Did you notice that? Did you pay attention to that verse? It says they take care of the outside of the cup. But then when he goes to the inside, he says your inside. The point is this, the Lord really cares for our inner being. Religion cares for our outward being. Many a time, this is what religion cares for. Actually, the Lord cares for our inward being. The Lord here was a genuine person. Who he was outwardly was an issue of who he is inwardly. Do you see this? This is what we mean by a mingling. He's not, uh, he wasn't caring for the outward things in order to put a facade. But he really was this person. He really was this person. You know, uh, 
oh Lord, because of time, uh, if you, okay, there, there's so many adjectives uh, and modifiers Luke that Luke uses that are doctrinally not necessary. Last week, we saw that when the Lord as a good Samaritan saw the one who was beaten, he was moved with compassion. This is not a facade. The Lord wasn't putting on a show. He was really moved. This is the Lord's true heart concerning man. So the Lord here was showing us that religion is another frustration to our being mingled with the Lord. We should, in, the, in our Christian life, we need to learn to take care of the inward. Learn to take care of our, of our inner being. And in particular, you know, there's a verse in, in the Old Testament. It says, take heed to your spirit. Take heed. Take care of your spirit. So this is what the Lord was, was uh, highlighting here. Um, <clears throat> okay. So, so the Lord was warning us about the, the, the effects of religion, that religion cares for the outward instead of our inner being. Caring for the outward things by themselves does not mean we're in the Jubilee. Actually, we're in more bondage. However, when we take care of the inner being, there's the supply which releases us from any kind of hypocrisy from any kind of a facade, so that we really live uh, a life of reality. Uh, okay, so, so that's concerning the, the Pharisees. And then, oh Lord Jesus, I hope, uh, I hope this is, uh, you know, this is um, helping us to realize, you know, even in a church life, what should we care for? You know, uh, the primary matter in the church life is to eat the tree of life. That's the number one thing in the church life. You know, it's not so much to take care of, you know, all the practical things. And, and don't get me wrong. We need to take care of them. The Lord did tell the Pharisees they needed to offer up the, the herbs, all the spices, uh, mint. They needed to do that. But they shouldn't neglect the major things the major things of God's love, of God's judgment or God's righteousness. So my point is, the Lord is, is, is the proper balanced person who on the one hand, he takes care of the major things, but he doesn't neglect the small things. You know, this doesn't mean, you know, we don't, we don't take care of any practical things in the church life. Of course we do, but we don't neglect the major things the primary matters of enjoying God in real. Okay, uh, I think for the sake of time, uh, I, I better stop here, but I hope this gives us a window. We have chapter 11 of Luke. Uh, it's clear to us that we need to ask the Lord concerning prayer. Lord, bring me into the true meaning of prayer. And Lord, Keep me from all the distractions, no matter what they are. They could be demons, keep me away. They could be things even about God, practices, 
Lord, may all the practices in the church life be not a distraction to you. You know, anyway, uh, I think I think I better stop here and give you saints a chance. I hope uh, a lot of us would would share something, um, no matter how little, but amen.